uh, turn in your Bibles uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13 and really specifically kind of um, just really narrowing our focus in on, on verse 8. Um, 2 Timothy is in the New Testament. It's, a, uh, it's one of the epistles or letters of Paul um, to a young pastor, a guy named, a guy named Timothy, um, who is a pastor uh, in Ephesus and uh, kind of did some, some pastoral work for the Apostle Paul. Uh, whenever the Apostle Paul would kind of go plant a new church, he would a lot of times leave uh, a young pastor, a young missionary that was with him, and he would say, hey, you stay here. And you need to disciple these people as I go on and, and, and continue to push the gospel into the world. You need to push the gospel into this community further. And uh, so these, these guys are kind of cool to me. Uh, I'm a young pastor, and so I really kind of uh, am inspired by guys like Timothy. Um, and, and also kind of even more especially um, kind of inspired by Timothy because uh, being a youth pastor, I, I work a lot with teenagers. And uh, Timothy, whenever he first left to go on missions with Paul, was actually a teenager. And, uh, and I, I thought of that uh, this last week as I was uh, going through the book of Acts with our students. And I thought, you know, how many of us would say to our teenage sons and daughters, um, yeah, you go on mission with the Apostle Paul. And... Uh, and knowing the kind of dangers that the Apostle Paul would face. Um, and uh, it's kind of even kind of a, there's even a little bit of a, uh, oh, a little bit more of a, uh, a danger there in that whenever Paul first came to the city that Timothy grew up in, uh, anybody remember how that turned out? Uh, the city of Lystra, whenever Paul came to the city of Lystra to preach the gospel, they stoned him and dragged him outside the city for dead. That was at Timothy's hometown. Um, that was probably probably somewhere around there, probably within uh, the, a day or so, was when Timothy probably first heard the gospel. Um, and so a little while later, okay, Timothy's matured in his faith. Paul comes back to the city of Lystra and, uh, and invites Timothy to go on mission with him. And can you imagine grandma and mama, uh, you know, his response to saying, okay, Timothy, you're a young man. Go push the gospel into the world, whatever it costs. Um, so anyway, inspiring, inspiring pastor uh, that we're going to be looking at uh, this morning uh, in, in, in Timothy. Um, what I'd like to say as we kind of begin is uh, there are things that are worth repeating, aren't there? There's things that in life that are so important that we need to remember those things. And so we put reminders up for ourselves and, and we try to remind ourselves. Uh, some of you kind of remember, uh, this was back in the old days uh, when they had, you had like little calendar books that you'd get. Uh, we don't use those anymore. Nobody uses those unless you're old fashioned. Everybody uses their phones now, right? Now, there's still some of us, they're still analog, right? We still use our, our little calendars and, and uh, write stuff down. And, um, but a lot of us use phones and, and other things. But I love my phone because I can put reminders in it and it will like beep at me and it will make noises at me to remind me, uh, you know, if I'm supposed to go meet people for lunch or if I'm supposed to do something that day for my wife, you know, I'll put a little reminder in there. It's important stuff because I don't want to forget because I know if I do, 
I'll be in trouble, right? I'll be in trouble if I forget. And uh, Michelle's really gracious. I kind of give her a hard time a lot of times. Some of you uh, that are friends that are close to me, a lot of times will say, well, if I don't do this, Michelle's going to be mad and she's going to beat me. And, you know, and I'll say stuff like that. She never beats me. Um, except for that one time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Here the, we have the Apostle Paul, and he is talking to this young pastor, Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, don't you forget, don't you forget this. Um, starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Oh, sorry, wrong chapter. You've got to bear with me this morning. I rode like 63 miles yesterday on a bike, and I'm just kind of still tired, I guess. So... <laughs> Sorry about that. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we uh, read this letter uh, penned uh, by the Apostle Paul um, to this young pastor, Timothy, um, Lord, I think it's helpful for us to remember um, the love that was probably between these two men. Um, these two men had done a lot together, had suffered and went through a lot of trials together, um, had seen some probably just incredibly awesome things together as you worked and used them to push the gospel into the world. Um, and so, God, um, it's helpful for us to remember that, God, there's a Christ-centered relationship here. Um, of, of two men who have invested in each other a great deal and were willing to, uh, were willing to die for each other, I believe. Um, Lord, as we, uh, as we read this, I pray that we would hear the seriousness of, of the Apostle Paul's words, um, that we would not leave here, um, God, without being impacted by uh, just the weight of the gospel. And uh, that that is something that needs to be on our hearts and on our minds every day. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So there's things that are so important that they're, they're worth repeating. They're worth us setting up reminders for ourselves. Um, 
whether it has to do with maybe, you know, putting something down, writing something down, whether it has something to do with maybe asking somebody to remind us of something. Uh, We are celebrating such a day tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow is Memorial Day. Um, It is a day that's been set aside by our nation to remember and to memorialize those who have uh, given their lives um, for um, for the for the safety of our nation and for the freedom of our nation. Um, a lot of us are, are familiar with the, the 9-11 um, event. They're kind of right now um, building things kind of as a memorial to that um, so that we as a nation would not forget um, what happened on that day. Um, and there's several reasons why we do memorials like that. For one, one reason is to honor to honor the dead, right? To honor those uh, who made great sacrifices. That, that's one reason why we do that. But there's another reason um, as well, I think. Uh, sometimes we memorialize stuff because we want to remember the lessons that we've learned from that. Um, you know, uh, we went down to Washita uh, National uh, Monument or National Battlefield. It's down kind of in southern Oklahoma. Some of you uh, may not even know there's a national monument here in, in Oklahoma, but uh, but there was a there's kind of a, a thing that happened down there, a, a Native American massacre that happened. Uh, Colonel Custer was involved, and um, but 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 that's kind of as we went down there and, and and looked at the exhibits and stuff. It was kind of a memorial to understand that man. There was this huge clash of cultures that happened there. And, and a big part of the problem was that nobody was listening to each other. Nobody was really trying to understand where the other person was coming from. And the result of it was a lot of, a lot of men and women who are trying to do the right thing died um, for doing the right thing. They weren't even doing the wrong thing. They were in the place that they were supposed to be at. And then the U.S. government, Calvary, came in and killed them. And they were exactly where they told them to be, uh, which is sad. It's really sad. But, again... There was a lack of communication. And so we, we have a memorial down there to hopefully to kind of remind us of, man, when you have different cultures coming together, it's important that you listen to each other and try to understand each other. Um, so we have these memorials that are set up to remind us of things that we've learned. Monday night, uh, we had a big storm. Uh, I kind of called it this week, big storm number one for this week. Uh, Monday night, a uh, big storm came through and... Um, it took out the internet at the church. And um, so I got, I was, Tuesday's kind of my day off. I'm at home and Michelle and Paula are up here at the church working and they're trying to get on the internet. And uh, did I say, I said Tuesday morning, right? Okay, Tuesday morning, they're up here at the church trying to get some stuff done. Well, we're kind of hamstrung up here at the church without our internet. Uh, we depend on the internet for so much. It's a, a great uh, tool for communication and for getting the word out to the church and what's going on. And, and, uh, and it's also kind of a tool that we use uh, to do uh, a lot of the church business. And, and, and so we're kind of hamstrung up at the church. And, and so Michelle's texting me, hey, you know, the internet's down, which it happens periodically. The internet goes down and it's not a big deal. Usually we just reset the routers. Some of you probably have to do this at home. You kind of Go in, turn everything off, turn it back on, and boom. Oh, it's back on. Okay, it's working now. So Michelle kind of went through that. She knew that. She, she went through the standard procedure to get the Internet up and running, and it, it didn't come back on. And it's like, what's going on? Why is it is not coming back on? And so she lodges a, uh, a, a 
a complaint or a, not a complaint, a, a tech service call to um, the Lincoln Avenue Technological uh, Advisor, um, and so, uh, which is Tony Haskins, if you don't know. So she, she lodges a, a call, and, and, uh, and Tony's like, okay, kind of troubleshoots it with her, and, and he goes, I think your modem is fried. So, so that was kind of the kiss of death right there, you know. Oh, no, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to have to shut the church down, close the doors. Um, but you know, I'm kind of being a little sarcastic, but, man, we really depend on the Internet. I like the Internet. Does anybody else like the Internet in here? Man, I, I love the Internet. And, and I need to probably, I, I kind of put a little note in my sermon, I probably need to fast from the Internet. I like it so much just so that I can learn to live without it. Maybe it's too much of a, a thing in my life. So the, so the modem is fried. So Michelle texts me at home, you know, she says, hey, the Internet or the, the DSL modem's fried. You need to order a new one. Um, well, I'm out for a bike ride. I don't get the message till later in the morning. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. So I call Tony or text Tony or something, say, hey, what kind of DSL modem do I need to get? And then I kind of just wait for him to text me back whenever he can. And, and I kind of get doing something else. And guess what? Before long, I forgot. I forgot that I need to order a new DSL modem. So Michelle gets home from work later in the afternoon, and she's like, hey, did you order that modem yet? And I'm like, no, no, I haven't. I haven't done that yet. So I'm like, I get back on, I start looking again, and I get distracted again, go back to doing something else. And before long, a little bit later in the evening, Michelle's saying, hey, did you order that modem yet? And I'm getting kind of annoyed, okay? But you know what? I hadn't done it yet, so I I needed to do it. But reminders are really good, um, especially when it's something important, all right? We need reminders. And most of the time, if somebody's reminding us of something that's really important, we don't really get that annoyed with them, do we? Yeah, you do. Some of you are sinners like me, aren't you? So, I mean, so, sometimes even when people remind us of stuff that we know we should remember, we still get annoyed with them, don't we? But we need to be reminded of things. Um, how much more important when it comes to the gospel, the most glorious message of all, do we need to be reminded? It seems odd to us. Uh, it seems odd to me anyway. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is writing a letter to a pastor. And he says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Well, that seems pretty simple, pretty elementary. Okay, we're talking Timothy here, apostolic delegate. Okay, he is a pastor that, that Paul has commissioned to be a pastor here at this church. Remember Jesus Christ. Seems odd, doesn't it? But I'm going to so I'm going to kind of what I want to show this morning is it's not really silly at all and it's really not elementary at all. But I really believe it is a core to how we should live our Christian lives. Every day we should be remembering uh, the gospel. We live in a broken world. And I'm going to kind of go over the gospel here. We we live in a broken world. A world that because of Satan's deception and Adam and Eve's sin has fallen into darkness. We see the darkness and the fallen state of the world all around us. We don't have to look very far. Uh, We see it uh, in suffering, murder, war, natural disasters, racism. And perhaps most obvious to all of us is if we look inside of 
our heart and our own sinful self, we can see inside of us that there's a brokenness, uh, especially if we're really honest. When we take an honest look within ourselves, we see our own shortcomings, our own darkness, our own sin. Adam, as, as the representative of the entire human race, has passed this darkness onto all of us. The Bible is very clear that the penalty for sin, uh, Romans 3.23 says, um, we, we, we all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But God is not content to leave our world in this fallen state. His plan has always been to restore what has been lost when Adam and Eve sinned. In order for this to happen, though, sin must be crushed. Our sin must be crushed. Justice must prevail. God can't just leave sin in the world. He can't just sweep it under the rug. Enter God's plan of redemption. The fulfillment of God's plan begins and ends with Christ Jesus. Romans 5.19 says this. It says, For as by the one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. God sent Jesus to this broken world to do what no person could do. And in one way, God, in some way, maybe you're thinking about this, is God sent Jesus to undo what Adam did. Um, and so that's kind of a, a neat way of thinking about that. Adam is the old representative that left us with the problem of sin and death. Jesus is our new representative who leads us to forgiveness, righteousness, and eternal life. Jesus wrapped himself in humanity and lived a sinless life. Then he substituted himself in our place and wrapped himself in our sin according to God's perfect plan that God might crush sin in Christ and put sin to death in the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Oh no. We can't make the mistake of thinking that God just kind of winks at our sin and just says, ah, it's okay. It's not that big a deal. I just... I just kind of just forgive you. No, God takes our sin very seriously. Very seriously. He doesn't just kind of deal with our sin and kind of just kind of pass over it. No big deal. Isaiah 53 uh, really illustrates well, I think, the seriousness of which God takes our sin. This is a, a prophetic passage of Scripture talking about Jesus, the coming Savior, says that surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet, 
It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Verse 10 there, it says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. In the New King James Bible, I thought it was interesting, it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. How could it please God to bruise the sinless Son of God? How could it please God to put Jesus, the sinless Son of God, to death? Why was this done to Jesus? Maybe that's the question that is, is, is before you this morning as you're thinking about this. That just seems cruel. Jesus didn't deserve this. That's very clear. He didn't deserve that. You're right. But we did. We did. We deserve that. We deserve the righteous wrath of God. to be poured out on us. We deserve to be crushed. We deserve to be bruised. We deserve to be wounded. The answer is simply this. Sin had to be crushed. In order for our world, in order for us to be free from sin's dominion, in order for us to be free from the destruction that came when Adam fell and Adam and Eve rebelled against God, in order for us to be free from that, Sin had to be crushed. It was my sin and your sin that Christ took upon himself. In this way, Jesus took the death blow of God for our sins so that God could give us eternal life. He raised Jesus from the dead, showing that once for all, sin and death had been dealt with and conquered by Jesus. All who believe in Jesus as the Son of God, who rose from the dead and embrace him as Lord, will have eternal life. And he is coming again. And all who believe in him are going to be joined into a relationship with him that will never end. A relationship like no other that will forever increase in joy, wonder, and intimacy. This is the great hope of the gospel, is it not? Have you embraced Jesus this morning as your treasure? Have you embraced him as your Savior and as your Lord? Have you embraced the chastisement? That has brought you peace. That has brought us peace through Christ. Oh, I pray you would. I pray you would this morning. There are things so important, again, so glorious, that it bears repeating. It is worth repeating. Bigger than Memorial Day, bigger than the DSL modems, bigger than the barrage of commercials uh, that you'll be hammered with when you flick on your TV. Uh, Maybe when you go home this afternoon or tonight. And so what I'm going to say is, I think that repeating the gospel is something we should do every day in our lives. Throughout the day. Daily and repeatedly during the day. The first reason I would say that is that because some have not heard the gospel, right? Which that's pretty easy. That's probably pretty obvious to us. One reason we should repeat the gospel, obviously, is because there's some people that still have not heard it, right? But why is it beneficial to, say, people that have heard the gospel? Um, Say, somebody that comes to church every Sunday, they hear the gospel. Why is it important for somebody that grew up in church to hear the gospel again? I don't know if anybody's in this category, 
But this was true of me. And I think this is probably true of maybe some of you. You might be able to relate to this. Is it not true that some who have heard the gospel still don't understand the gospel? I grew up in a, going to church every Sunday morning and went to a bunch of church camps, heard the gospel multiple times from good preachers, godly men. And you know what? Didn't change a thing. I was a good kid and I liked going to church and I liked being there because all my friends were there. But I didn't know Jesus. I hadn't trusted him with my life. I'd not trusted him as Savior and Lord. Heard it over and over again. Until one day, it all changed. 18 years old, after hearing the gospel over and over and over again, finally on a Sunday morning, I was sitting up in the choir where I always sat. Sang a bunch of songs and my pastor preached the gospel. And God opened my eyes and I saw, oh, I get it. It's about trusting Jesus. It's not about me being a good person. It's not about me going to church every Sunday. It's about Jesus. Remember Jesus, risen from the dead. And I put my faith in Christ. And it changed my life. Changed the trajectory of my life. So maybe you'd say, okay, well, I understand, okay, it's important for unbelievers. But I'm a Christian already, right? I'm already a Christian. I've, I see that Jesus is glorious. I've trusted Jesus with my life. I've believed in the gospel. And it has changed, it has changed my life. But why is it good for me to remember the gospel every day? I mean, I, I understand it, okay? Why do I need to be reminded of it every day? Well, this is what, and this is kind of my funny way of saying this, because the gospel's not T-ball, okay? Now, that sounds really funny. The gospel is not T-ball. T-ball, you know, we all know what T-ball is. It's a means to an end, right? Uh, kids play T-ball so that they can learn how to play baseball, right? If you're still playing T-ball and you're 30 years old, you, you miss something, right? I mean, T-ball is, it, you're supposed to move on from it. You're supposed to move on to it. Um, so they can learn to run the bases the right way, you know. But there's no professional T-ball, okay? There, there's not. You're not going to find it. Nobody wants to go see a 30-year-old guy hit a ball off a tee. It sounds silly. We're supposed to move on to something deeper, something bigger. The gospel is not like that. We don't get the gospel and then move on to bigger things. That's not the way the gospel works. It's not beginner Christians start with the gospel and then they move on to something else. There's nothing else. The gospel is everything for the believer. The gospel never grows old or loses its significance in the life of a Christian. And here's, here's my proof for that, okay? Maybe you think I'm making this up. This is a letter, 2 Timothy's a letter from a pastor or from a missionary apostle to a pastor. Okay? 
Timothy's not new to the game of following Jesus. We've already talked about that. He's been following Jesus for a long time, for years. He's, he's put himself at incredible risk in order to press the gospel into the world. He is not new at this deal. And Paul writes Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Paul is reminding this pastor, this young pastor, remember the gospel. Paul, I believe, an imprisoned apostle, imprisoned, imprisoned pastor, I believe Paul is drawing strength from the gospel right here in 2 Timothy. Uh, Paul is writing this from prison. Uh, if you kind of caught that, uh, there's, there's a passage of scripture uh, that talks about the apostle Paul being in chains. Um, let's see, where is that at? For which I am suffering, bound with change as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. I believe the Apostle Paul is in prison, probably one of the darkest hours of his life. He's getting ready. Many commentators believe that the Apostle Paul is actually getting ready to be put to death. It, it would not be very long, and the Apostle Paul would be actually put to death. And here he is, darkest hour of his life, and it seems the Apostle Paul seems to draw power. Even a little bit of, I, I don't know if you sense this or not, even a little bit of sanctified rebellion I, I sense in the Apostle Paul. As he, as he kind of points out these words, he says, uh, he says, I'm chained, I'm suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but God, the word of God is not bound. And I, I just sense this kind of sanctified rebellion in, in the Apostle Paul. Yeah, I think Paul is drawing strength from the truth of the gospel here. A, a third way that I think, or a third reason why I think it's important that we remember the gospel is for the Christian convicted in their sin. Um, for a Christian who is, man, I've sinned, I've rebelled against God, I've guilt, I feel, I know that I've done wrong here, I know I've not trusted God the way I should. Uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 22 through 24, the Apostle Paul is writing this as well. He says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. You ever feel that way, man? Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's encouraging to me because I feel that so many times when I know I've just blown it spiritually and blown it in my walk with the Lord. I need to remember the gospel in those moments. I need to remember that my hope is not in my own righteousness. But my hope is in what Christ has done in the cross. I also think it's helpful for the Christian battling sin and temptation. All right, this is proactive. I'm not telling you to just go ahead and just sin and mess up because, hey, the gospel's there for you. Uh, I think we need to use the gospel in, 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 our, in our lives as a weapon against sin and temptation. Uh, the Christian battling sin and temptation, Romans 6, uh, 6 through 7 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died 
has been set free from sin. That's encouraging. The gospel says that because of what Christ has done and because we've been joined to Christ, our sinful man has been put to death and we have freedom. We don't have to be the old man anymore. We don't have to be the old person anymore that we used to be. Because of what Christ has done, we can be set free from sin. Another thing, for the Christian trying to share their faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21, the gospel brings courage for those that are trying to share their faith. Verse 19, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think there's incredible power in remembering the gospel as we are trying to share our faith and push the gospel into the world, into the lives of people that we love around us. For the Christian facing certain death, there's comfort in the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Man, that gives me great hope. An inheritance that is imperishable. There's not much in this world that's imperishable, is there? Pretty much everything we've got is going to wear out. But the gospel gives us a hope that it says is imperishable. It's unfading. It's not going to wear out. I've got some t-shirts laying around the house that at one time I thought were really cool, but you know what? They're faded now. They've got holes in them, and they're not so cool anymore. thought the design was cool at one time, but now it looks dorky. You know, it's old. It's outdated. It's uncool. But the gospel is not that way. These are just a few of examples that I've given of the ways that the gospel is practical. It is, it is helpful in our daily lives, and that we need to be remembering the gospel every day. I'm reminded of a quote from John Piper. Um, I was at a conference one time and I heard John Piper, John Piper say this. He says, In order to be great, we don't need to be great at a lot of different things or to know a lot of things. In fact, true greatness is found in being mastered by one great thing. And he went on to expound how that one great thing is the gospel. And I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of Timothy, and I look at these two men and I think, This was true in these two men's lives. Um, here's the Apostle Paul. Man, he poured himself out and will forever throughout history be remembered as the great Apostle Paul. Um, Timothy, a young teenager, left home, left mom, left grandma to go press the gospel into the world with the Apostle Paul will always be remembered because of the Holy Bible and the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to him as a young man who loved Jesus with all his heart and would not settle for what the world said he should settle for. And instead, he gave his life for the great cause of pressing the greatest message of all into the world, the gospel. I'm going to read a, a song as I finish up. I'm not going to sing it to you. You'd regret that. This is a song written by Andrew Peterson, and it really, it really kind of, I feel, sums up um, 
the importance of the gospel and how the gospel is all we ever need. The, the title of it is, is of the song is All You'll Ever Need. The blood of Jesus is like the widow's oil. It's enough to pay the price to set you free. It can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat. When it's all you have, it's all you ever need. The blood of Jesus, it is like the leper's river, running humble with a power you cannot see. Seven times go under, let the water wash you clean. Only go down to the Jordan and believe. Only go down in the Jordan and believe. And the chorus is, and I need it, I need it. The closer that I grow, the more I come to know how much I need it. The blood of Jesus is like Elijah's fire falling on the altar of your faith. All the wisdom of the world could never conjure up a spark. But no power of hell could ever quench this flame. No power of hell could ever touch this flame. And I need it. I need it. The closer that I grow, the more I come to know how much I need the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus it is like the widow's oil. When it's all you have... It's all you ever need. It is all you'll ever need. I love that refrain. The closer that I grow, the more I come to know how much I need the blood of Jesus. And I think as we go deep into our relationship with Christ, and as we go deeper into the gospel, and as we live and walk with Jesus longer, I think I've seen in my own life how much it all kind of goes back. It all goes back to the gospel. When I'm battling sin in my life, when I'm battling temptation in my life, it all goes back to the gospel. When I'm battling whether or not I should push out in faith and give up some things in my life, comforts in my life, so that other people can come to know the love of Jesus, it all goes back to the gospel. Do I believe that Jesus is everything I need? There's some things that are so important that they must be repeated.